If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, cool. Damn, let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's your history with James Dean? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, he and I go way back. Um, one time I was driving from LA to San Francisco and I was somewhere in the middle of nowhere like past Bakersfield Bakersfield sure and there was a, a little memorial on the side of the road and it was like this is where James Dean died middle of nowhere nothing else around just one like two lane highway honestly that's my only relationship to James Dean well, let me ask you a question how many people were pulled over to see where he died none it was actually very oh. weird because not only was no one there there was nothing yeah. around. It's like it's literally in the middle of a desert. Yeah. I don't want to judge his driving, but I don't understand. <laughs> well, when I saw for gas, there was a giant uh, painting cutout of him, like okay, thirty feet tall. Okay. In memory, he was a good-looking guy. Listen, we don't usually do it this way, but this is required watching where we watch the essential films of filmmakers from the. Wait, hold on, I said that wrong. Let me do that one more time. <laughs> where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm Trey Epps. I'm Danny Taverner. Quick aside, I was, I guess, acting this week. Yeah, I know, right? And I had to read from a teleprompter. And just for the life of me, I just couldn't, I could not say words for the first 10 minutes of it. Just couldn't say any words. So just now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the thing and I just could not read it properly. Ah, uh, there we go. And... Yeah. Thank God for actors. Words are tricky. Very. So I actually, just to talk, oh, well, welcome, everyone. We're talking about Rebel Without a Cause, the, the 1955 classic and jam of some people directed by Nicholas Ray and, of course, starring Natalie Wood, James Dean, and Sal Menio. Menio? There's always some person's name that <laughs> I have not I have not learned. And look, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Dan. I knew, I, I know still very little about James Dean, other than the fact that people are obsessed with him and James the fact Frank that he made, James Franco's obsessed with him for sure. Um, sorry, we're obsessed with him as a culture, I think, and that he only made three films. Three films. This is all I know about the guy before watching this movie. Rebel Without a Cause. And... You got it. One more. Oh, I don't know. Ghostbusters. It's what is it called? What what is it called? Giant. Dude, Giant is what it's called. You're absolutely right. Tonight's the Emmys. We're recording these well in advance. I'm just going to say that out loud anyway. It's it's tonight's the Emmys. The veil has been lifted. Yeah. Yeah. We record these early. But listen, we're in October. And oh, no, shit. No, we're not. This is Rebel Without a Cause. We are well into, like, September. But the movie was released in October. I, I was looking at the date. 
No, it wasn't. Uh, was it? No, it wasn't. Anyways. Yeah, October 26, 1955. Ooh, look at you with the dates. Dan, I'm, I'm kind of going on because I feel like, I feel like this film <laughs> is interesting. It's interesting to me because, because for all the reasons, for all the reasons why it has a legacy, not necessarily because of the film itself. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I think this film was an okay film. Well, uh, I mean, but, at the heart of it, it's just a like teen high school movie. Exactly, and that but that has like that has nothing to say about whether or not I think it's required. But I think this is an okay movie. I think I think specifically what makes this a classic or a legendary or something that's on the lists and mouths of people all over is because. To be quite honest, and I'll, I'll I'll jump right into one of one of the things I wrote down is the deaths of its stars. Mm-hmm. I think I and I and I don't know this for a fact. We'll never know this until time travel exists and we can figure it all out. But I I don't think like the deaths. I think if Heath Ledger was still alive, we'd still love the Dark Knight. I don't think we'd love the Dark Knight. I, I just, I just, I think tragic deaths tend to make us glorify, especially of the, of the actors, make us glorify the films that they were in. Yeah, especially um, when I, it's like, what was it, a month before the movie came out? Right, right. I and I and I, I definitely think this film is no different. Natalie Wood and Sal Minio, by the way, we'll talk about this in a second. Both died in very strange ways, but. Or I guess I should say tragic ways, but really interesting that, yeah, I'll, I'll backtrack then. And I, I'm monologuing, so stop me at any time here. This movie's okay. Not only is this movie okay, I think James Dean is only an okay actor. Yeah, that was my biggest takeaway, because <laughs> I have not seen his three movies. I only know him as, like the Hollywood, like, as being part of the Hollywood zeitgeist, you know, like, this American dreamboat, tragic, tragically died at 24? Four, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, okay acting. <laughs> he's he's completely okay. He, like, there's nothing, there's something amazing about him, but there's nothing, like, the, yeah, there's just nothing completely outstanding about the way he's acting. If I'm being completely honest, I do think James Franco does a better James Dean. Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I could see the potential. Like, he definitely would have been a great actor. It's, listen, I am in no way, I am in no way trying to disrespect the dead here. I think, no, I, I definitely... James, I definitely think I definitely think I definitely think he was only just beginning. I mean, this is I think this is the first one that he actually like led. Like his his name is Top of the Bill. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not featuring James Dean. Like it's James Dean Rebel Without a Cause. Period. And I, and I, I do I do think there's some depth. I mean, we 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 got the whole scene where ah, oh, what's the scene? What does he say? I don't know. He says some shit. This this movie has like a room. It's, you hate room, don't you? Oh, sorry, the room. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I hate the room. I, I'm not even like it. It's so bad, it's good. I genuinely hate that movie. Uh, I'm I'm so mad. I'm so <laughs> mad that just happened. But like, like that, like, like this movie is emphasis for like it is yeah. the reason why that movie kind of happened, or at least the inspiration for Tony Wiseau's like love of filmmaking. Right? And it's only a little bit better. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> 
that said, I'll actually get into real thoughts of the film. Oh, just to get into what I was saying earlier was this this movie is nothing more than a teen drama, right? Mm-hmm. I I think that this movie, which is produced by Warner Brothers, is the emphasis for the WB, the, the TV channel. Because think about just think about the WB and all the shows that were on it, especially during the 90s. I'm not sure when the WB, the TV station, actually premiered on television. But yeah. I think of like One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, the 90210 reboot. Charm. Like I, I think oh, of all I, if of these this shows came out in the '90s. I could see Freddie Prince Jr. playing the main character. Like for sure, right? Like, like, but like all, of, like all of these things. If this came out today, it would be a series. It'd be a series <laughs> called Rebel, and it'd have all these like pretty face, quote unquote, teenagers who are really thirty-five years old going through like the toils of of LA. Yeah, that was one thing um, I, I I did especially like about it. All the the main actors, the three main cast members, they're all pretty much like the age they should be. Like I think Natalie Wood was seventeen, James Dean was like twenty three. I think Sal Mineo was also seventeen. So it's like I think he was the youngest. They felt like high schoolers. They did. They felt so like I have 50s a problem with high schoolers, which I think, <laughs> yeah, genuinely, which always seems a bit older. <laughs> Why is everyone so older back in the day? <laughs> but everyone's so much younger now. The war, an, uh, an assorted war happening. Yeah, I don't know. Smoking, smoking. Um, I, I think, I think you're absolutely right, though. I, I, it, yeah, it, to me, it just felt like it felt like the genesis of all these teen soap operas that I am in no way complaining about because I've worked on them. I love them. I'm a big fan of them. Even now I love these things, but it felt like it just, it did feel like a soap opera. It felt, it felt like the range of James Dean was I'm going to be broody and like cool guy, or I'm going to be like shouting at the top of my lungs. And very, very little felt like very little felt like the middle of that. James Dean feels like diet Marlon Brando. Yes, exactly. And but like all of this came out. I feel like the whole Marlon Brando Marlon Brando thing didn't come out. I don't know. Hold on, I'm getting all of my days confused. Yeah. But I felt like at this time it was like James Dean, Marlon Brando, and all of like these actors who we love. We like we love to say are like the best of the best. But I look back and I'm like, we we do this podcast and I'm like, I don't get why this shit is so supposed to be so good. Yeah, it's interesting to look back at it without the like glow of who these people are as a icon, right? And just genuinely look at just this movie, just this performance. How good is it actually? How how good is it actually? And I th- and but that's the reason why I love what we what we're doing here. I love what we're doing here because it's not it's not oh my gosh this person's so great. It's not oh my gosh that person's so great. And I get this way. I think we all do. And I think the the, the closer we get to moving into modern films, which we'll do in the next few movies, is like the more we go oh this person's great because of X Y and Z and because mm-hmm. of what we read about them on you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is. But I, I take all of that away, especially for this film, and I'm like. Nah, it's it ain't cool, and I think <laughs> it, it, well, it's not cool, and I and I don't do, and I think that we we glorify this movie and James Dean because of like the way the sad sad way that he's died, but then I think like he was the, he was the jerk who who 
is like drag racing and that makes me angry it makes me angry that people are 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 doing these things to put their lives in danger when they have a lot to give like for all intents and purposes whether or not i think he's a good actor is not not the point but he's working and giving to like the culture of the world and mm. not that there isn't anyone who deserves to be in an accident that's not what i mean but like to take the, these kinds of risks i think are so reckless the same way i think people doing drugs and stuff like this is so reckless and i'm happy that people are able to get out of that mm. but i think i do think it's a shame when we're like oh man it's so so sad that he that he died and now he's gonna live in our hearts forever and ever and it's like no no, he was an okay actor, and it is really sad that he died. I feel like I'm getting real controversial and real hot. <laughs> that was a spicy episode. Yeah, I, I get um, what you're saying, because also the movie itself is pretty straightforward, like, plot-wise. He's like a new yeah. kid in high school, mysterious, brooding. He falls in with a gang, more or less. Yeah. They tussle. Yeah outside of the on a field trip <laughs> on a field trip to the-, also, of the observatory it's so funny how even though these people are the proper age they still feel much much older than high schoolers yeah so it's just yeah. funny that they're all like driving these 40s chevys and these like hot rods to the museum to a school trip yeah yeah, yeah. they're also like <laughs> oh, i'm on a school trip i have to sign in it's like are you that much of a rebel because you're going to class no, seriously. I, look, listen, to give this, I, I didn't say what the movie is about because the name is literally what it's about. It's about a rebellious young man who's travels, whose troubled past comes to Newtown, you know, giving him problems, finding friends and making enemies. And you're absolutely right, Dan. I will say this. I will say this. I was thoroughly confused by the beginning of this film. Not confused, not confused. Almost like gobsmacked by it. I watched this. I watched what had to be a 10 minute scene taking place in the police station. And I was like, this is the most interesting way three characters have been introduced to me in such a long time. Oh, absolutely. That it was, that it was fantastic. I absolutely thought it was really, really good to be introduced to these characters in such a way that it was only for the audience. These three characters don't properly meet until 30, 40 minutes later, mm-hmm. well, probably like 20, 30 minutes later. But they don't meet until much later. But I thought, I thought we're starting off with like the psyches of these of these kids, and they're all really troubled people that should have had some really serious consequences happen to them. Like, like never mind the fact that like these gangs are doing like essentially knife fights and drag racing and playing chicken, mm-hmm. which would have led to just cars being destroyed, right? And ultimately, yeah, also, the death of for the for the game of chicken. Were they those just cars that they could toss off a cliff? You just have that many cars. You're just like, hey, let's toss these two. I'm gonna. I justify because I lost. I lost that thread a little bit. So I was like, I'm just gonna justify this that they're so rebellious that they stole these cars oh, because there's no sick. way. No, but there's no way you're gonna then t- like destroy your own car by throwing it off of a yeah. cliff. It ain't that cheap in this economy? And a war is coming. But yeah, I mean, there's some things I was really into, but but like the whole knife thing, and I was upset that like Jameson's character of Jim, I want to say, was mm-hmm. so stuck on the idea of being called a chicken that that's the thing that kind of pushed everything forward is that he wasn't a chicken, <laughs> and he was trying he was trying to find like he was like it, it was also entangled with the idea that he was trying to find himself 
trying to find himself being a man, right? Because his father wasn't a really good role model and he was just trying to find, you know, get out of trouble, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of what started the conflict was just the idea that he wasn't a chicken. And I was like, why why is everyone freaking out about being called a chicken? Why is that like the the four-letter word, you know? Yeah, I appreciate the sentiment behind that. Like this idea of masculinity and teenage years and like finding yourself and figuring out what kind of person you're going to be. But that's, yeah, that's a weird specific to get hung up on. Like I would be more upset yeah. someone stabbing me with a switchblade than calling me chicken. Yeah, but, but like that, of course that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. No, not at all. He, if anything, he's, he's like, no, I don't want to stab you. Like, yeah. Don't exactly. call he even explains that to his mom. He's like, she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, he called me a chicken. And she reacts like, and, oh, God, no, Jim, you're one word. It's like, playhouse. It's like, that's exactly right. And no one's, saying, no one's saying anything about this. No one is saying, dude, that doesn't matter. There's no did, – did they not have guidance counselors in the 50s? I thought the guidance <laughs> counselors were just always be like, around. Hey, check your ego and maybe go to therapy. I mean, yo, everyone Stop needed drinking, therapy. you 17-year-old. <laughs> Seriously, and stop killing puppies or cats or whatever that other guy was doing. Yeah, they what? really blew that over. They did not mention what? that more than they should. In jail for it was like being drunk. Yeah, I forget what Natalie Wood character was in for. I think it was something stupid like dressing like a whore, uh, oh. like like something really bad, and shooting puppies. And no one, no one, and did. they let him. No one was like, "This is how murderers are made, kid." I did appreciate the the relationship between the two of them. Plato and Jim. Yeah, I, I as I'm saying that, I am remembering that the one scene I have seen from this movie was the end when he gives him his jacket. Oh. That that really sweet, tender moment between these two guys. Yeah. And throughout the movie, there's like a homoerotic relationship, at least from Plato's perspective it seems huh huh that's what i got that's what you got when you watched it out of context yeah, or, what, or you, maybe, what you got from it no in context and maybe not even necessarily like romantic connection between them but there was like a strong connection between the both of them but especially from plato's side towards Jim. well like a, well, like a, like he, a deep admiration for him well, yeah, he kept calling him dad, or not kept call- I don't know if he called him dad alone, but he kept saying something like that, like, you're my dad, or yeah. some weird or thing he's like even, that. Which- he's explaining to Natalie Wood, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's my best friend. He lets me call him Jamie sometimes. He's, oh, he's yeah. a cool guy. He's quiet, but he's a cool guy. He gets me. And he's like, he's like building this. I mean, it's fantasy. Complete, complete, yeah, it's completely artificial. Like, they've only known each other a couple days. Right, um, but there's that like real connection, and I think that also speaks to just how damaged the three main characters are, yeah, in their own ways, and they're just like really striving for some connection with someone, and you see which that is, at the which, end too, yeah. After which is fantastic, yeah. Like it's a fantastic setup. It's a here's the part my my thing. I think I think the beginning was super strong, and mm-hmm. I understood the emotional and psychological turmoil that all three people were going through. By the way, by the way, Natalie Wood's character Judy was in jail or in the police station anyway for a curfew violation. Ooh. 
Yeah, these are these are varying violations going on, but I think I think it was really strong in the beginning and then really strong at the end, especially when they kind of the three of them all came together. But I do think the middle was lacking. Like Judy was a jerk. Like like honestly, I could not have seen someone be more of a jerk to someone when I couldn't tell if she liked him yeah, or she not. Sold him out like immediately. They had a nice meeting at first where it was like, oh, this might be something. And the next right. scene, she's like telling her greaser boyfriends like, hey, there he is. Let's go step. Uh, well, yeah, which is mean. But when, when my man dies, when my man dies in the chicken run, right, they essentially make out the very next day. This is I cannot boyfriend. keep track of timing. Yeah, her boyfriend, who she witnessed to go over a cliff. <laughs> also, what a way to go. He was going to jump out, but he got caught on his door lever, his door yeah. handle. Man. These are things you got to check before you. <laughs> this is why I always wear breakaway pants, just in case. Listen, you can't, you can't go down like that. So I think it's only timely to say that Natalie Wood died from a voting accident, right? It's very similar to like Naya Rivera, who, oh yeah, R.I.P. died recently. But Natalie Wood, as an actress, had a very interesting life. I think this all happened to her about in her forties, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, she was this child actress who, who like got older and had a hard time being seen as anything other than like a child, much like her character Judy. Mm-hmm. And then like she fought, she fought for this role in the movie. And her boyfriend at the time was William Hooper, who was also in the movie and was meant to have a bigger part, but didn't get a bigger part because Natalie Wood was having an affair with the director. Yo, shit got messy. And much, but much like Natalie Wood's life, like after this film, got really messy until her ultimate uh, demise. Interesting, at the very least. And my man Salminio got stabbed in the heart by a mugger. He was about 37 years old. He was one of the first two people to come out as uh, bisexual. Yeah, I'm not saying that this is the reason, but apparently multiple multiple people assume that it's because, you know, it was some sort of hate crime. Hmm. Do you think, we talked about how James Dean's death specifically, I think on, like, I think it's safe to say it absolutely contributed to the status of this movie as like iconic. Yeah. Yeah. The other two deaths were like several years after the movie, right? Did their deaths have as big of an impact? I think Natalie Woods did, especially because she was such a big, like she was in the industry for such a long time. Mm. I mean, again, that's certainly my interpretation of it all, but I think Sal Sal didn't have much like this was his breakout role, but not really like he didn't do much else after yeah. this. So I don't think not that I don't think it mattered, but I just don't think it had much to do with it. But again, I could like I wasn't alive when he died in '76, so hmm. I'm not sure. But I do think I do think as a kid hearing about like urban legends and movies being cursed and things like this, that if you if you if three of your like if the three of the top build characters or actors in a movie died tragically, it becomes, I think it only enhances the idea oh, yeah, of all of this, doesn't it? 
I definitely remember growing up and like hearing about cursed, cursed things, you know? The exorcist. Yes, exactly. Oh man. RIP. RIP. Let's see. What else do I have here? I've had so much to talk about, but I feel like I went on this big rant that I was like, that I left things aside. Another thing that I, I thought was really interesting, just like the white privilege of it all. And this is actually one of the last things I have, but the white privilege of just like the police officers being like so good. Like so these police officers are so good throughout the entire film, besides oh, yeah. like the one or two that are just jerks. And then all of a sudden they shoot my shoot my man Plato. I mean he I James Dean go like he's like, I'm gonna go talk to him. and they're like, All right, you you got it, kiddo. Right, right. Comes out with the bullets, showing them. His hands are up, showing them that he has the bullets from the gun. He's just like, you have my word. And they're like, you're white. Okay. Yeah. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Behind you, we see this brown kid, and uh, he's got a gun. So, to be fair, Plato shot at mad cops. (laughs) So many bullets. So many bullets. He shot so many cops. And he had, like, but, like, again, this, like, mental break of... Of like you guys left me while we were sleeping in a gazebo, and therefore you aren't my friends, and I'm going to shoot at all of you is so. It feels so out of nowhere. I mean, he killed puppies. <laughs> we yeah. should have seen Wait. something coming. You're absolutely right. When we remember that bit, we should we should we should probably think that he's going to then have this mental yeah. breakdown. Like if James Dean's character did it, it would be very strange because you're like he's. Right mopey and depressed and brooding constantly but i don't think he's necessarily a bad guy he's just like doesn't know what he's doing he's without a cause plato is like oh no i've i've heard some things about you um well you know again i think i think i think i think for i don't feel like we built up plato throughout this whole thing as someone who is a problem so that's what I'm saying. Like, it feels so out of nowhere because, like, we, we know he's weird, but it doesn't feel threatening in any kind of way. Right. And and then, you know, the last 15 minutes of the film is that, you know, this break. And I, I go, what? Like, these gang members? Like, one of them gets, I think one of them gets killed by Plato mm-hmm. uh, because they were bullying him. But <laughs> they were like, they were mad at James Dean for like ratting them thinking, out the cops. yeah thinking that he ratted them out which he didn't they weren't so they mad go that after. friend died they were mad that he spoke to yeah, the cops correct correct so it just feels so i hate i hate to say this because maybe it's the point of the film but it feels so unmotivated and without cause that <laughs> <laughs> it's like the rebellion for no reason for no reason at all i, I mean but, i i could see because it's these three troubled people right these three troubled teens yeah who sort of go different directions but there's definitely a, a thread between the three of them like and i and even they realize that like they yeah. sense a kinship to each other but even at the end when plato dies much like when natalie wood's boyfriend dies a night before they're just like all right plato's dead now that sucks at least I yeah. got my girl. Yo, real talk, real talk. I've never seen a scene move so fast in time and space. Like his friend is dead <laughs> on the car on the concrete. He has he a moment. To his he mom has a- and he goes, yeah. "Mom, this is Judy." And everyone's like, yeah. "Cute little smiles." Oh, James Dean is all better. 
It's like, nah, you you guys need serious therapy. Yeah, yeah. In the in the space of three days, maybe a weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> two people have died. At least, like they two have people to go back you to school witnessed. the next week. Right. How, how do you live? Like, this is the reason why, like, 50s, like, dads were just drinking themselves to death in a quiet corner. I guess had nothing to do with anything else but high school. Yeah, honestly, if I did two people who died in horrible tragedies, like, hours apart, I'd probably drink a lot heavier. Listen, not even new, but a witness with your eyeballs was a part of it, was part of the reason it happened. Listen, Dan, do you have anything else for this film? Uh, I do love the Griffith Observatory. It's a beautiful, Yo, beautiful me, place. Real talk. Me too. Me the, too. The Griffith and the Getty. Yo, the Getty is... LA. Listen, my guy. We're going to have a separate podcast guy. where we just talk about... <laughs> LA landmarks. <laughs> um, listen, with that, I will go first again. Do it. I'm going to start I'm gonna start as hot as I, as I came in and say you this gotta, film is... Same energy. Consistently. This movie is not trash but not worth the hype no absolutely not required watching i don't think i I do think it offers a really good way of introducing characters and if you're at all interested in writing or i I just think the the direction and all of that within that first scene which is probably about 10 to 15 minutes was amazing because it, it again for me it felt something it felt really new and it took its time and it was it was both layered and spoke to each character separately and maybe what, what may be considered now is like sort of like heavy handed, but I, I thought it was interesting, but not at all was this film something that I thought needs the hype and is at nowhere near on my list of like top films I've ever seen in my entire life, I'm afraid. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna, uh, so yeah, I'm not required. Gonna, I'm going to have to agree because I, I don't know about you, but I look at a couple things when we're doing this podcast because some movies are the story might not be good, but the technical part of it is absolutely required. And certain elements make up for other shortfalls. This movie didn't really have anything production-wise that was like grand or essential. Or the story, or the performances. It had some <laughs> iconic scenes. I'd say sure. or like scenes that I think are very interesting in terms of character development and really delving into the psychology of different characters. Yeah. But sad, sad enough as it is, I think a large part of the hype around this movie is solely because of James Dean's early death. Which is sad. It's sad, but it doesn't, make it any better of a movie no it, it doesn't it doesn't i'm sorry to say I it. I teen drama teen drama right there's nothing wrong with that we don't see a lot of teen dramas which i think we should probably know uh do we do we do we i feel like we do i feel like i, was like, reason, I though, said it all I was I like, hey, she's all that uh yeah well me too <laughs> i think of like i think about the teen comedies but i don't think teen dramas well, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I, I don't mean, think they're they're... definitely walk to remember, fall in our stars. Oh yeah, that is required watching. You know, I will listen. We don't even have to watch the movie to tell you that it's required watching. She listen. I love Mandy Moore, and I, I've got a chance to talk to Nicholas Sparks about that movie. So listen, we'll 
well, maybe we'll do a, a short episode about. <laughs> Anyways, no, we won't. Dan, it's been fun. It's- Listen, thanks for listening. Please come follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Required Watch. Be on the show. We need other people to talk about. Tell us what you're watching. Movies too. Please do that. Uh, you can find me online at Trey Epps on Instagram and Twitter. What about you, Dan? I'm at Danny Taverner on Instagram and Twitter. And LinkedIn. So and LinkedIn. Daniel Patrick Taverner. <laughs> Endorse me. <laughs> Endorse me. Listen, Dan, it's been fun. Until next week, my guy. Later. <laughs>